Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 664 with Patricio Weiss. We still get calls from, hey, do you have a uh, Taco Tuesday special? Well, it's Tuesday and we have tacos. Call it a special. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Were you aware that 89% of guests will research a restaurant online before dining out? This is why it is so important for you to be mindful of what your online presence is. Visit getbento.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your Bento Box website today. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships online. One more time, that is getbento.com slash unstoppable. Everybody loves payday, am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable and when you run your first payroll you'll get your first three months free again that's gusto.com slash unstoppable with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest chef patricio weiss chef my man are you feeling unstoppable today yes i am awesome i cannot wait to dive into the story when i get a chance to cheers i do what you do porous this This morning this is a (laughs) blind pig ipa by russian river Beautiful. I think it's it's uh, past noon on the East Coast, which is where I'm from. So this is totally allowed. This is a West Coast IPA, as it should be. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> Chef Patricio Weiss was born and raised in a large family in Monterey, Mexico, where cooking for big parties was an everyday social affair. After a successful career in finance, Weiss, who is self-trained in the culinary world, began hosting pop-ups in uh, local, sorry, at local <laughs> farmer markets and breweries. It was so successful. The reason why he's laughing right now is because I had to, we were all over the place earlier. We started. We decided to. Sorry. To start from the top, which is fine. I'm just going to let it roll this time. So hosting pop-ups at local farmer markets and breweries, it was so successful that he secured and established a brick-and-mortar location. Within a year, uh, you guys are three years into the brick-and-mortar now, right? It's been three and a half years. Uh, Yeah, and you guys continuing to build momentum. Uh, Everyone in this community is talking about you. That's why I'm here, and I cannot wait to dive into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or a mantra. What do you got for us? Uh, There is no substitute for hard work. There is no substitute for hard work. I think that's pretty straightforward, but dissect it a little bit for us. I wrote that in my first notebook that I had when we met with the attorney that was that actually made us a C corporation, uh, and he was kind of like, "Oh, you're gonna open a restaurant and this and that." I'm like, well, well, yeah. So, well, it's a lot of work. I'm like. Do you see what I wrote here? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you do like, not read my business plan. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, it's the way it's been. Yes. Uh, I've um, when I used to drive to farmers markets in the, like at four in the morning, uh, 
well, to the commissary, which was actually my friend's restaurant, Hawks, uh, I would I mean, have a sleep, have punk over, drunk, whatever you want. Uh, I would yell to myself, you are a force of nature. You're a fucking force of nature. And I told the story to my wife at some point. She actually made a, uh, uh, an, an art piece of it. And I have it hanging by my bathroom today. It says, you are a fucking force of nature. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. I love it. Great way to get this thing started. And where does it make sense to start telling your story? Because I know that... Uh, it's, it's, it's very long. I don't think we have enough time. Oh, we have plenty of time. We'll do a two-parter if we have to. It wouldn't be the first time I've cranked out a two-part episode. Uh, but I know, I mean, you put a lot of emphasis uh, on your work ethic, which is which which you... Which you is know, why I'm sorry I was late. No. <laughs> You're fine. But the work ethic, uh, you also put a lot of emphasis on the scientific approach, of t- using scientific methods. Maybe we'll dive more into that later, yeah, yeah. but I'm really interested in that. Uh, do you want to give us a teaser now? Well, uh, replicability is the issue. I mean, as restaurants, that is the, uh, the, the, the fighting factor of what makes it good. or Formulas, right? Replicability. Okay. I mean, so, yeah, formulas, uh, scientific process. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we have master recipes, and uh, I can tell you who made the salsa verde. Yeah. Just uh, like which of my cooks did, because I know some of them are saltier, some of them are more acidic, some of them are less acidic. If I try it, I can tell you who made it. Okay. Even though it's a recipe. I, I'm, I, I, I still, to this day, I'm shocked in awe when people say, oh, I'm not sharing the recipe. Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah, I mean, man. Do you think you have fucking like, like, Nobel Prize there or something? I mean, <laughs> and the thing, and the other thing too, you think at the end of the day, people are coming or are, are loyal to you for your recipes or for your relationship with them too. You know, that's the other thing. You can't you can't replicate relationships. No, and like that's the other big variable too. We have. I'm very proud of what we have done here. In the sense, and I'm I'm sure uh, Jared. I'm sure you can attest to this. Uh, <laughs> It feels like cheers on a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 I mean, I work the bar, and uh, I'm very proud to say I'm, I, I, it's a very proud feeling to, to just like. That was Jared Campbell you're referencing, I'm assuming, right? Yes, it is yes. Jared Campbell. <laughs> of course. I'm. A little shout out to Jared Campbell, who helps a little one shout of the, out, the many yes. people that helped set um, this up. Amazing pizza, by the way. Oh, he yeah. knows how Moving to work door. it out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Is that public? Uh, maybe. <laughs> He'll cut it out of his. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I so, know he is, yeah. but is it public though? <laughs> yes, uh, we'll, we'll keep that under the wraps. Maybe by the time this is live, we'll be public. But All right. let's bring it to your story, man. Let, let's getting into the industry. Um, take us to where it makes sense. I know you were raised in a big uh, Mexican family. Yeah. Uh, lots of cooking was happening. So every Sunday, is that where it starts to make sense telling your story? Uh, yeah, um, I'm the youngest of six. Siblings. Okay. I was telling a story yesterday, as a matter of fact. It just rung a bell. <laughs> it is Tuesday. It is. <laughs> so, just being around food, being around a big family, I'm sure there's a lot of cooking going on. Yeah. So, <clears throat> the, the Mexican culture, as I was brought up in, uh, it's you gather around the kitchen. That's the thing. I mean, when people say a carne asada, it's not a taco. It's a gathering. It, it's an event. Mm. It's a big event. And by big, I mean everybody's there, like the whole family, <coughs> friends, whatnot. Uh, 
my dad is a Catholic uh, deacon, uh, and he still enforces that uh, or exercises uh, practices. I think practices. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably excommunicated by now, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> the uh, uh, so Sunday was a big day. Yeah, the the the, the practice was we we'll get up in the morning, prep, we'll go to church. Come back with the priest and everybody around, and uh, and uh, the bigger the better. Yeah, and we would light the fire, and uh, we would do. Well, they would. I mean, I was young, <laughs> but the point being is what I learned. Yeah, people and food, family. Uh, was a big part of your life early on. You went into finance, which I think is really interesting. That's uh, a funny story, though. Oh, well, tell me the story. Yeah, get into it. I was supposed to go into marine biology. Okay. What happened there? Well, there's too many mountains in Canada, <laughs> so my mom didn't let me go. Okay, too many, too many mountains in Canada. Marine biology. I don't get it. Tell me. All explain. Right, so, I used to be a mountaineer. Okay. A rock climber. You see those pictures? I took those pictures. All right. Nice. That's my backyard right there. I'll get a like literally my backyard. We'll make sure we get a photo of that before I leave. I, I was just there and I climbed one of those peaks just for the pictures of it because it's, it's amazing. I love it. And the, I did feel like yeah, I'm, you're not like 20 years ago. It was easier, of course. So how does mountains tie into marine biology? That's where I'm going. <laughs> get in there. So Canada, uh, UBC and UVic, they had uh, this. Uh, amazing scholarship programs for Mexicans, specifically Mexicans. They were trying to import cap, uh, human capital, and um, they were very suce- uh, extremely successful to the point where they actually had to deny visas to Mexicans soon afterwards. Yeah, I didn't really care about it at that point. But the thing is, that I I got two uh, invites uh, about UBC and 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 UBIC, uh, full scholarship my dad was extremely happy and when he told my mom she was like yeah you're not going I'm like why you're gonna fucking die up there <laughs> <laughs> there's too many mountains up there <laughs> okay it all makes sense now so I had to choose a different program and I chose finance okay why finance I'm good with numbers yeah I I I, I, I really s- like numbers strength to have in this industry well I have come to find out that, yes, but uh, I really am good with numbers. I love math, uh, which is weird, I know. <laughs> but it does help scientific methods. I mean, yeah. you mentioned it before. We're gonna, I want to try to pull back some layers on that as a conversation of oh, yeah. for sure. No, and I, I, and I can. It's, uh, it, it's, it's not recipes, it's methods, it's processes. It's uh, like a steak. Whenever I do a grilled steak... Share the recipe. Add salt to it. Put it on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's the recipe. Right. <laughs> you want the method. That's yeah. a different story. Yep. Heat, yeah. time, you yeah. know, all the little technique. There you go. So um, b- during all this time, was were you cooking on the side? Were you developing your ability to cook? When did that really when start I, to play its role? When I was rock climbing and we were camping, yes, I, I was researching uh, methods on how to cook or uh, Pack more efficiently, like pre-cook the pasta and yep. Yep. put it in a Ziploc bag with gotcha. a little bit of oil, and it's ready to be like done at the campsite. Exactly, just I mean, I mean stuff like that. Up. Gotcha. Yeah, very easy. 
Uh, but then I got married. And we had this... Uh, I really liked my... I, I, I love trading. I mean, whenever uh, when I saw Wall Street, I said, I want to be a trader. And I, I, I became a trader. I, I'm a good trader. I want to say so. <laughs> my well, peers. enough to get out of the industry, I'm assuming you must have... I mean, I don't want to make too many assumptions, but I'm assuming that you did it well enough that you could set yourself up for success in the restaurant industry. We, I was... Maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves <coughs> right now. That's like... A couple years. 40 minutes right. ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep going. No, yeah. It's... Uh, uh, I always wanted to... I love hosting parties. I love... Uh, like I was saying earlier. I mean, I love working the bar. Not really working. it, just standing there. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm just enjoying the company. People being yeah. happy. I love it. I really do enjoy that. And is, this, is that something you recognize early on? Is that something that? Oh yeah. Is yeah. That, when I was 15, I was oh, hosting man. parties at my house, at my parents' house, and my mom hated me for it because we used a nice china and broke it and <laughs> scratched the table and and uh, stained the nice tablecloths. And I mean, yeah, it's yeah. I think it, it's worth to go into uh, your career at, as in finance a little bit to kind of unpack that because yeah. uh, that's, that's ultimately what sets you up for success in the restaurant industry. So any key mentors, any key lessons during that time in finance, uh, how did that influence who you are today? Well, I was it, uh, when you say finance, it's, I was a market maker. What uh, were you? <clears throat> market maker. A market maker. What is a market maker? That's what I was, that's where I was going. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's not commonly known when I mean it happens every day when I tell people yeah I used to be in finance I used to work at a bank and, yeah, were you a teller well no <laughs> I was manufacturing products that the bank would sell okay pretty much uh, and, and that's the way it is Ooh, uh, you are <coughs> getting me excited for this conversation knowing what I'm knowing right now <coughs> uh, keep going so um, I started when I was in the the educational programs in universities, uh, specifically in Monterrey, the Tech de Monterrey is there, and that's like the go-to university. I was lucky to be born in Monterrey, I guess. I don't know, but uh, I didn't want to go anywhere that, except there. Yeah, and just for a little context, uh, Monterrey is probably one of the most prominent communities in all of Mexico. It's the say? third largest city by uh, population. It is the richest city in America. So a good place to be for opportunity. San Pedro is the wealthiest city in the whole continent. Got it. Keep going. So there's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's opportunity. Yeah. If, if, if you know what you're looking for. The, um, at the time, though, everybody was going abroad and going to Princeton, Harvard, whatever. Like, you have the tech right here. Why the fuck are you going to, well... I mean, I wanted to go to UBC and <laughs> UVic, yeah. but that's because they, there's no C in Monterrey, yeah. and I wanted to be a marine biologist. I didn't get that, and that's okay, because <laughs> we're here. Exactly. And I'm very happy about it. I love whales, though. <laughs> Who doesn't love a whale? <laughs> They're big and <laughs> yeah. amazing. So um, we were starting to talk about uh, finance. finance. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I know, I know. You're I'm, doing great. I digress. <laughs> yeah. uh, so... I was in this, uh, <clears throat> in high school, they had this pilot program for uh, STEM. STEM cell uh, research? No, not STEM cell oh. research. <laughs> like STEM topics. Like gotcha, st- gotcha. Like STEM careers. <laughs> and they, uh, 
and I was actually headed for mechatronics. If if you know, I mean, it's like robotics mixed with mechanical engineering, which is big now. Uh, but I I didn't really feel like it. I mean, our final project was to uh, with Legos replicate a bottling plant, and, and we did it, and and it was great. And uh, and I felt I don't want to spend all my life making machines work. I can't. I mean, I kind of want to do things myself. So, for some reason, I went to finance. Don't ask me why. But <laughs> I did. Uh, when I was in fourth semester in my professional career, or it, it, it was a nine-semester program when I was in fourth semester in summer break, the break, it was first and second, and then break. In every break, I would take... Um, I would go to Veracruz and be a whitewater uh, river guide or a mountain guide or something like that. Yeah. And I would love it. That's why, that's why I wanted to go to Canada. Mm. And uh, when it was fourth semester, it was halfway there. My dad's like, you're getting a job. I'm like, no, I'm not. And he's like, yeah, you are. So he talks to his friend. I didn't realize that my uncle Pablo was the owner of the bank up until I realized that he was. <laughs> until you were working there. <laughs> well, up until I didn't show up for the interview. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he sets up an interview for me and, uh, and I don't go. And he wakes me up the next morning, like, like beats me out of bed. <laughs> what the fuck, man? That's your uncle Pablo. You didn't fucking go to the meeting. I'm like, uh, whatever. And uh, so I went. Yeah. That day, and I apologized profusely, and uh, just like today, pretty much. <laughs> For a little context, uh, we're uh, our boy Patricio was maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's all right. I was ready to rock and roll. It usually takes me 15 or 20 minutes to set up, so it worked out pretty nicely. I mean, it is to you. So. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Anyways, so I get there, and the 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 I didn't really realize who this guy was. I mean, I knew my uncle Pablo. I'm their compadres, um, their godparents. One of my brothers, uh, and it was the summer, so I I thought it was just like a summer job. But the like the head of HR was there to greet me and say, "Okay, so what do you want to do at the bank?" Like I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I would love to be a trader. All right, you're going to the treasury. <laughs> like high clearance. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, what? <laughs> nice. At that point, that bank was undergoing a kind of like a an overhaul, not because of the bank's necessities, but because the treasury had had a heart attack. <laughs> okay, opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he was there, but he his load was lightened like quite a bit. And uh, the trader that was there, he was, well, he wasn't the best. But uh, they brought in somebody else who became my boss. And it just so happened that my cubicle was right in front of his office. This is all like, it's all. It seems like a lot of happenstance up to this point. It's serendipity. <laughs> yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. It's serendipity. Yeah. It's the middle of summer. Uh, I'm 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 at a summer job. I'm an economic analyst. I'm writing reports, uh, publishing uh, 
with reports internally and externally. And uh, and this guy, the new director of, of the treasury, <laughs> is his office is right next to my cubicle. Yeah. So does that lead? Do you think that that kind of puts you like a give you a competitive edge to move ahead? Well, we we became friends. Yeah. And he started relying upon me to do a lot of directing the treasury. Okay. <laughs> and uh, when it was August, I said, "All right, I'm off." Yeah. He's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. you're not <laughs> off? What the fuck, you mean you're off?" Like, yeah, it, it's summer break. It, it was just a summer <laughs> thing. Yeah. Like, no, 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 That's a college thing, buddy. You're st- yeah, you're. St- I mean, you're staying. I don't know how, but you're staying. I'm like, all right, make me an offer, and he did, and it was good, and I stayed. And for the last five semesters of my ongoing university career. I was working a full-time job at a bank. I was in charge of uh, funding the bank daily. I was in charge of uh, uh, trading their bond program. And it was great. And I learned a lot. I learned yeah. more at the bank than I did at school. I would go to school just to be there and then f- just like take a nap or something. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll be honest, man. I really don't know the first thing about banking. But what you said you had a knack for it. You said you were good at it. What were you good at? Get specific. What? Where were your strengths in the world of banking? Math. Math. So what were you doing with this bank that, aside from being friends with the, I was, the guy who was in charge of everything? Well, I mean, I was trading bonds. Uh, bonds are... Uh, a bond is a debt uh, structure. It's specified as such. It's a piece of... It's, it's a contract that has a specific set of parameters. Uh, you... You sell the bond, so you get money in exchange for it, and then you pay a coupon, which is interest, and then you pay it off at the end. But there's, that's as simple as it gets. So you're building these. You're putting these packages I'm together. manufacturing these things, okay. yes. Gotcha. It's a very niche thing. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean... Well, you I you, mean, wrote, you I, said a couple of things. Sorry, did I cut you short? No. Huh? You, you said a couple of things that... Stood it up, stood up to me. I wrote them down. Um, you said that you created markets, and uh, you also mentioned that even though you didn't go in this direction, that you learned a lot about making machines in an, in your previous vertical. How uh, in high school they had this program, so that was maybe not worth bringing back to the surface. No, no. I mean it. It it's numbers. It's science. It's, yeah. it's a STEM course. Mm-hmm. I I really like that. I really like the fact that we were given the chance of. Um, uh, Basically, understanding systems is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So that's why I pulled those two things. Because as a restaurateur, essentially what you're doing is you're, cre- I think, instead of going out and trying to recreate what's already been done, and somebody creates a market, you're replicating that thing that they created in, in, in the same market. But what a really good restaurateur does is they create a market, right? They, yeah. they bring something to a market that wasn't there and they say, this pretty is much. missing. Yeah. So I, I, I'm curious if that had something to do with maybe I'm, again, maybe I'm fast forwarding too much. But, but you're you're creating markets essentially. When we first stop, yes, but not in the same way. Okay. I mean, uh, finance market maker, what he does is he. So there's, and I'm delving too much into it. <laughs> it I mean, I'm sure people will be bored at this point. <laughs> but uh, so you have banks and you have investors and uh, and you have the public and you have other banks, and you have sellers and you have buyers and. And they all have their own interest. A market maker, what they do 
what we used to do is I would get a call and say, hey, I need 5 million euro against dollar. What's your quote? And I would give them a buy and a sell price. And I would do either. I, I didn't care. Or, hey, I, I need 5 million of crude oil uh, contracts. Um, and I would give them a bid and a buy, a, 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 a bid and an offer. Um, and they would hit you up on either of them. You, I mean, you don't know as a market maker if they're buying or selling. Yeah. So you give them a, I'll buy at this rate, I'll sell at this rate. Yeah. And essentially what you're doing as the creator is playing the market. You're running the odds. Pretty much. Yeah. Is that where and your the, strength was? Uh, well, my strength was in the systems. I, like, I, I, I'm really good at math. Yeah. yeah. Like I said. Yeah, but I would assume <laughs> playing the odds, that, that math comes in, right? Kind of like counting cards. In the sense, like, you're, you know the numbers, you're, pl- you're running probability. You are running probability. Yeah. It's a portfolio. Yeah. And it, it's it's kind of volume where you actually get to the point to actually be comfortable with it. In this, I mean, if, 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 if you're a small player, yeah. there's no way you'll make it. So we're, you're right. We're, we're kind of going into a rabbit hole here. We'll come back to the surface. And just kind of explain to me what you think this experience. How many years did you spend in the finance? At least seven, right? Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay, so I was way off. Fifteen years <laughs> in finance, right? So, so what yeah. were the biggest things that you learned that you pulled from this experience that you started leveraging later in life? Systems. Systems. What systems? Just generally systems. speaking? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were you learning about systems? Methodical procedures. Okay. That's how restaurants work. Yeah. As much as they want to please our guests, as much as they want to create an amazing environment for them. I mean, two Fridays ago, I was sitting at the bar. I was so stressed because there was a line at the door. Yeah. I was happy, but I was so stressed because they weren't happy. And there was nothing you could do about it. There's not a system for that, is there? Yeah, they went in line. (laughs) They went in line, and then we take the order, and the food comes out in seven minutes. Uh, But there's no table, Mm. so I was I was literally like so stressed, and I I I started writing and taking notes and shit. And there's nothing to do. There's that's the problem that everybody wants to have, and it's a fucking problem. I don't want. I don't want the problem. I want to please. Everybody that walks into the door, I want to. I want them to have a good guest experience. I'm a guest at some places. I hate winning a line. That is not a good guest experience. Mm. So systems, protocols, the fact of being able to actually document uh, <laughs> and uh, replicate. Yeah, replicability. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you have this, the, the, this uh, ability to create these systems, but more importantly, you have a desire to, to become better and to not let – if you see a way to, be, to, to do or be better, like you're, you're thinking of a system that you can implement immediately to, to solve that problem. I was thinking about it that yeah. day. Yeah. 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 And, and we do have some tablets that we could go around, but – and this is just applying to that specific case. Mm. But there was no tables. Yeah. All tables were taken. Yeah. And, and like, I was taking up one seat at the bar. <laughs> so I got up and got to work. <laughs> there you go. There's one more seat, right? Yeah. So, so we, you learn systems, methodical systems. Um, that's one big lesson from the finance. What else? Anything else that's worth diving into before we move forward? Accounting. Accounting. Accounting Huge. is very important. <laughs> we don't, we don't need restaurants. to get into the details of accounting, but for sure. But it, no, but, 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 but we should. I mean, it, it's... Accounting in restaurants is paramount. Yeah. 
Give us some. Give us something that most restaurateurs, in your opinion, don't know about accounting. Nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I. I mean, it, it was a very, like, I mean, we've been up in three and a half years. Yeah. And we've changed uh, accounting firms three times. Why? They weren't delivering. Uh, pretty much. That's why. But the essence of it was you want... Uh, when you're an owner, that's, a, that, that's one thing. When you're a chef owner, that's a different thing. I'm a chef owner. What's the difference? The owner is the CEO of a company. They run the books. They work from a computer in your dining room or wherever. I do that mm-hmm. here. When you're the chef owner, you're the actual operator. And uh, it makes a big fucking difference because there's no time to be on the computer. Mm. Even though you have to be. Yeah. And you really do have to be. Yeah. Like you really, really have to be controlling the, in- the cost, invoices, controlling. I, I mean, everybody gets paid anyways, but you have to be on top and analyzing the numbers. And that's a full-time job. And I used to do that. I used to analyze the bond market and about the, the uh, I mean, government auctions. Uh, I used to look at them and say, <laughs> yes, I'm going to buy that one. <laughs> Very cheap. Yeah. And I would. That's a full-time job, like data crunching. There's, there's no system. I mean, the, 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 the newer POSs, they really help with that. Yeah. But there really is not that culture of the, um, the data cruncher GM that works for a restaurant that, 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 that will give an edge to the operator. So, you are, so when you're going to the uh, accountant, you're looking, you're outsourcing that. I have an accountant to file all my official stuff because I, you need a guy for that. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, when I was thinking about how this conversation would go, being somebody with a financial back, background, I was wondering if you and that's kept that in-house. No, that's where I was going. Okay. It's so humbling to learn that, yeah, I used to manufacture very sophisticated financial products, but they don't apply for this and... Um, and I suck at accounting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, <laughs> that's that, that was a humbling realization. Like, yeah, I have a master's in finance, and I've used to do like high end, like very niche. Like, there's counted people in the country that can do that. Yeah, but but yeah, I need a CPA to actually run my books. But at the same time, I feel like that that role in the restaurant industry is very much it's a Yes, there is a skill base that's required. You need to have a certain level of skill to do that, but it's also something that can be automated. That can be out. That in the restaurant industry, I mean, as important as it is, yes. it can be done outside of the house. So you can focus on the more immediate things, like the standards of the food, service, like yeah. and the qual- like the, the quality of the relationships you with see the employees. How I said service immediately. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so boom, right there. Um, I think we need to take our first break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to start talking about how you started to transition away from finance into the, the uh, restaurant world. And we got to fill up our beers. So perfect timing. We'll be right back. 
Bento Box is more, much, much more than just another restaurant website developer. It is a hospitality platform designed to disrupt third-party services that come between the restaurant and the guest. Bento Box puts the restaurant first and offers tools that drive high-margin revenue directly through the restaurant website. These tools allow you to easily update menus, promote and sell events, share your press and media attention with the world, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and much, much more. In other words, Bento Box puts you in control so that you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bento Box is trusted and loved by over 5,000 restaurants worldwide because they empower restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships online. Sign up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable. One more time, that is getbento.com slash unstoppable. We're back, and we have a full pint each for the second half of this conversation. <laughs> I cannot wait to get into it. So what I love about your story is you know we see a lot i think people try to just rush right into this industry like they try, they try to hit a switch into becoming a full-time restaurant tour that's not what you did it's what, hard what, a, yeah. what approach did you take so when i was um, back in mexico still and when i first got married uh, both my wife and myself uh, we enjoy entertaining uh, so we hosted a couple well not i'm not a couple more than a couple uh, we had a supper club mm-hmm. uh in in lieu of a restaurant and this is where I actually learned to cook because I, I would be forced to make these very unique sophisticated uh, high end menus uh, the, the, the first one of them all was I, I picked out five courses from the French Laundry Cookbook and I tell the story all the time it's been published and uh, I'm not ashamed uh, and I almost couldn't make it <laughs> Because, you know, the first thing when you read a recipe, you need to read the recipe. Yeah. And then plan. I did not do that. <laughs> and that's probably one of the like best learning experiences that I had. I was this close to actually ordering pizza for everyone. So this is for the, the uh, first the first the ever... first ever supper club. You I, I picked out five <laughs> courses from the French Laundry Cookbook. And you're like, all right, guests are almost here. We should probably start reading these... these uh <laughs> it was like when you get to the end oh, oh it takes two days oh. <laughs> I kind of need it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, man. so what was the lesson what was you said it was a huge lesson what is that lesson the lesson is read the recipes <laughs> yeah. plan ahead right? plans yeah, yeah. we come back to the same yeah. uh, protocols so how did that, that that first dinner club go? Oh, it was great. It was what was it great was about it? If, did the Everything food come out good? Was, yeah, yeah, really. Of course it did. Even with no not two days of uh, preparation, it didn't need two days. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the other lesson there? I mean, it could you could have it could have been a disaster. You almost ordered pizza, but you it was you all our friends. I, yeah, I mean, I was extremely concerned, yeah. but it really didn't affect. How many total dinner clubs would you say you hosted? Well, we hosted one per week. One per week for how many weeks? For like two years. Okay. I mean that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was probably your your intent or your your angle, but even today, like that's probably the cheapest way to start a restaurant. Yes, because if you're doing these dinner clubs, you're inviting start first. It starts with friends and family, right? Yeah, and then they bring their friends. But if if you're smart about it, and that was the rule. The idea was that uh, it, it it would be a. I'm not making any money off of this. Yeah. I'm learning. Yeah, and you guys are eating good. And, and I'm partnering with the local wine guys, so it's 
cost-effective. So you, were you what, selling tickets or is it all free? No, it was tickets. Okay. The, the tickets were, and that's where I was going, the, the tickets were mostly just to recoup the, the costs. expenses. Yeah. Yep. And, and we had a server and we had a bartender and, I mean, these things ended at like 6 in the morning. Yeah. So you did this once a week for two years. What advice do you have for somebody who is looking to, to take this approach of just starting and doing it in their own house? with, with cook. With their, just cook. What about just go and do it. organization and communication or things along those lines? There's so many tools uh, nowadays. There's uh, uh, I Eats With or... Um, there's, there's like a like an Uber deal for gatherings like this. I think it's uh, is it uh, Eventbrite? No, no, no that's for oh, selling said, tickets. Like, okay, uh, eat with or it's like a like a thing for supper clubs. Okay, and uh, I've looked into it. I I mean, we didn't do it any. Was it around we, when you were doing your, your no, club? No, okay, no, it, this is like four years old or five. Okay. Uh, but there's um, there's tools now. Yeah, there's tools now. There's Facebook groups. People are more adept to that. There's uh, uh, there's a lot of online social media marketing advantages that mm-hmm. were not available. And uh, here's the thing: I mean, uh, Roseville, Sacramento, Elk Grove, Red Laurel Hills, wherever, I mean, where you are, it's. Um, if that's your community, that's great. But uh, Monterrey, it's a big community, and we, both Cynthia and I, we we both grew up there, so we knew everybody yeah. there. And uh, to put it in perspective, you know, when when you grow up in a local town, wherever, and you want to go to college later, and you want to go to that college later, well, that college is in my hometown. So we all went there. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I, this is why I said earlier, I was blessed to be born there. I yeah. mean, and the mountains and everything. So you're saying because of this, you had that affluent market of and network of people that would want to come and be a part of this dinner club? Is that it, it was what very easy. Yeah. It was very easy, even without the advent of social media. Even though there was, like Facebook was just starting back then. Uh, but you had this hyper-focused group of people, like-minded people yeah. in one spot. Yeah, we had like a... And the rule was, these are my friends, and if you want, if somebody else wants in, it has to be a friend of our of you, uh, uh, and you have to bring him in, and then you take care of him if he yeah. gets drunk because it, 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 <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it was. Yeah. Uh, we'd sit down at nine thirty, ten. It's late. I just realized that when I was back there three weeks ago. Are we going to do it for dinner at 10.30? Oh, yeah, yeah that, that's cool. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take a nap before that. <laughs> but I think the point is, like you said, just start, right? And start. Just do start. It. Start with friends and family. Start cooking. And, and start bringing people in. And I think the, the important thing that, that you also mentioned is there's tools and services. We'll try to... Um, I'll try to find some of those tools. Maybe you can email me or text me when, if Nowadays, that tool comes into your mind. There's so much of them. Yeah. There's it, so many of them. We'll put some of those in the show notes, but just yeah. start. I think the other really important thing is um, there, use these dinner clubs to 
what what I don't think a lot of people do when they start these is they start don't start building their list, right? Start building your email list then. Uh, have a website. You know how how hard is it to build a website? Start c- capturing Nowadays? emails, right? And then when you get your brick and mortar, you I'll have like this list in thirty minutes, of right hundreds, now. maybe okay. even thousands of people that have come and cooked for you that have a personal connection with you. That's your baseline. That's your market. You know, and just start build, like be intentional early on. Don't focus on the brick and mortar. Focus on the non-tangible yes. things that you can start building. Relationships, the networks, right? The, 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 that's that's the power. exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, why do you want to cook? Yeah. Because you want to be a three Michelin star chef or because you want to please people? Mm, hopefully the, the latter. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. The former is not yeah. good. No. I've known some three yeah. Michelin stars or two or, or one that are like, I want to give it back. It's, I don't want it. Yeah. We want to please people. Yeah. This is a hospitality industry. We want to please people. Mm. So you you start with the dinner clubs. Um, eventually, you, you move to California, uh, Roseville. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're here for 10 years t- to yeah. date or well, from when you opened uh, your restaurant? No. 10, uh, well, 2010, so nine years. Okay. It's, it's, so what was, what was, was it? Yeah. why did you make the move to the States? What was going on there? Uh, cartels. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Oh, man. Insecurity. It was bad. Oh, wait. So were you worried about... Life. Your life? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get you to talk. I mean, talking about it probably won't help the situation. It's it's bad. It was bad. It still is bad. I mean, it got to a point where we were making good money, enough to be a target, not enough to be worthwhile, and uh, and it got to the point where the it, it, it wasn't the cartels. The, I don't want to speak bad about the cartels. They they, they do their job. They they move illicit merchandise. Yeah, and they're very efficient at it. Uh, I am not affiliated with any of them. <laughs> so you're. I'm not trying to defend anyone, <laughs> but what I'm saying is. Because people like satanize and uh, like uh, go after them for oh the cartels the drugs and well they're doing their business and they're amazing at it they're fucking good yeah they really are yeah but they have different branches so back in two thousand nine one of those branches broke off and it was the armed branch hmm. and they were like Mossad CIA trained they knew how to move people how to exploit humans and uh, and that was still okay we're all still like yeah okay they said yeah, they'll, they'll never mess with me I mean what happened was that they created such a state of panic that the government and the local law enforcement would never go in like Azetas involved I'm not going in there yeah so that opened up um uh, an opportunity for amateurs, and the amateurs are bad. They were very bad. Amateur, uh, amateur kidnappers, am- amateur people trying to be the cartel. Well, they were saying that they were, yeah, just to get the cops off their yeah. back. But they were idiots. They didn't know what they were doing. Mm. And I actually lost a couple of friends, a cousin, mm. two cousins. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean. This is why we left. Yeah, uh, I don't blame you. 
So I started looking out. I mean, uh, Roseville. Where's Roseville? <laughs> yeah, why'd you choose Roseville? Like, it, I didn't choose. Did you Roseville. close your eyes and just like put your finger on a map? <laughs> I would have. I mean, even if I wanted to, I probably wouldn't have hit it's a Roseville. Great, it's a great place, though. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I still remember when. I mean, I had an interview in New York, <laughs> in Chicago. Again, my finance niche was very particular. Yeah. Uh, I, there was finance niche. Is that what you just said? Your finance. Yeah, okay, finance gotcha, niche. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, my expertise. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't going to get a job as a chef anywhere. I mean, I'm not trained or anything. Mm-hmm. I am now. So at this point, when you're coming back to Roseville, are you? Are you in your mind? Are you when like, coming back? When you came to the, when you came to the <laughs> states to Roseville for the first time, you're in your mind. Are you? Are you thinking I'm going to open a restaurant? Is that where no, you are? No, I'm thinking I'm getting out of Monterrey. <laughs> yeah. So you, you ended up working for um, a rice company, correct? Yeah. One a massive company it's the large it used to be i don't know where they're at now but i'm pretty sure they're along those routes uh i was the head of market risk for what is or was the largest uh privately held rice mover in the world and what that means is uh we don't i mean we didn't grow rice uh we would uh originate it from uh farmers from growers Anywhere in the world, depending on the quality you wanted, and we'd put it in a boat, and we'd deliver it to you wherever you wanted it. And when I mean a boat, I mean like we're talking twenty thousand tons, yeah, like a Panamax. Yeah. yeah. So how 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 was finance? Uh, t- being a finance trader, how did that play into this? this well, market? they were looking for somebody to manufacture these products in house instead of them having to buy them at the bank. Okay. So it was it was a perfect. So fit. manufacturing again bonds deals markets. Well, a bond is a uh, structure. Uh, yeah, uh, that's just. Sorry, I'm, I don't. I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. But basically, managing these deals, manufacturing them, manufacturing. Thank yeah. you, thank you. So I I ended up um, I'm, I'm running their whole hedging structure and program um, in the sense of we had I. Several different books, uh, some for speculating, some for hedging, some for actual operations, uh, and, and it was all my job to. But make you're doing sure. this full time. Oh yeah. And the, at what point did you start? That's why I moved to Roseville, and it was funny because for work. When I told Cynthia, my wife, uh, so we haven't. I have an interview in New York and Chicago, and then I have one in Roseville. And she's like, "What the fuck is Roseville?" Like, it's in between Tahoe and Napa. Okay, yeah, I yeah, like that. Let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame her. Um, so, okay, so that's how I sold it. <laughs> but uh, that's how you came here. 2010. It was around 2016, right? No, that, when did you come here? 2010. That was 2010. Yeah, 2010. 2010. And it was in 2016 when you started doing the farmers markets in 2015. The 15. Yeah. Okay. So five years, like when, at what point did you get this idea? When did the seed get planted in your head that I'm, gonna, I'm going to open my own restaurant? So we had that supper club thing before, right? Yeah. So we both really enjoyed pleasing people mm-hmm. via, via food. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, uh, I mean, I, I had a specialty, uh, an H-1B visa, uh, and then it became a green card. All along, I mean, I was the, at the company, and I'm extremely grateful for it. I mean, they sponsored everything, as 
they have to. <laughs> I mean, Your employer. Right, yeah. our employer, yeah. Uh, well, my employer. Yeah. Cynthia couldn't work, and uh, it's very... It, the first year was very hard for me. It was very, very hard for me. First because, year at the... At, the, at that company. Okay. Because, I, like I said, I used to be a market maker on the sell side. So I would manufacture products all day, constantly, every day. I was trading. Boom, yeah, boom, constantly. cranking them out. Yeah. When you move to the buy side, to like you're the guy that's buying it or manufacturing it in house, your job is done in two days out of a month. I was like the first two days out of the month. I was like, and we're done, and then the rest was like, all right, I'm <laughs> fucking bored, and it was bad. Because and that was your that was the challenge of, of just being done too soon. Dealing with it, yeah, that was very hard for me. Why was it hard for you? Mentally, mm. I was used to. I mean, when I was back in Mexico, I had, I was sitting at the front of an auditorium, and we had like fifty-six. Uh, it was a training floor, yelling and screaming. Yeah. And it was constant. Like you couldn't get too slow pace. That was fast paced back here. Well, I'm just one of those guys. Yeah, and I'm manufacturing it, so I don't even need to call anybody. I'm, it's done and it's done and now it's done. So mentally, were you just bored, unchallenged, or I was bored, unfulfilled, uh, unchallenged, not unfulfilled. I mean, we were doing good. We had good portfolios, uh, but the uh, it, it, it it was just difficult to like abide with it. Mm. That was the first year. Second, third years, I got the hang of it and it was okay. But the uh, I I was told Cynthia, you know what I I miss Mexican cuisine like we know it. Yeah, there's nothing like it here. Every every other restaurant is uh, Michoacan or Jalisco inspired, and that's okay. I love carnitas. But, yeah, but there's so much carnitas. I think, you can I have. think anybody listening to this um, might be thinking to themselves, there's plenty of Mexican food in California, but I think it's worth mentioning that we destroy Mexican food. And that Mexican food is very regional. Yeah. And I think you pointed it out in one of your articles. It is extremely regional. Yeah. So yeah. it's not we, we treat it like it's one thing, but it's not. And you're from Monterey, so you, you're missing the, the, the... How would you define American cuisine? There is no pizza and pies. <laughs> you just said it. Pizza's Italian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hot dogs are German. I mean, I think what you make in your flour tortillas are probably more Mexican, more Amer- American than anything else yeah. that comes here because that's from it's a native thing, tortillas. I mean, native to what, maybe New Mexico and California before we pushed everybody out. Is you, know? you want to hear where those come from? <laughs> maybe I'm completely wrong right now. No, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, so Please the, educate me. The Spanish came to America in 1500, right? And uh, the Sephardic Jews, they came to America in shortly after that, 50 years later. Yeah. These were Spaniards that were expelled from Spain. And they went to, they came in through Puebla, just like they all did, Mexico City. And then they were expelled from Mexico. <laughs> and they were sent up north. And they founded Monterrey. I mean, we're all Sephardic Jews. Uh, Monterrey people, I mean. <laughs> Not these guys. <laughs> but, uh, and it was 500 families... And they were traveling north, and that's like L.A. to Sacramento. That's, it, it's a long track. Yeah. 
it took them a couple of years to get there uh, with the whole, like with all the families. And they travel with goats because, you know, you're saying L.A. to Sacramento. That was a reference as to far as, as, as Mexico City to Monterey. Mexico City to gotcha. Monterey, yeah. So Monterey was founded as a part of Jews that were expelled from Spain and weren't accepted in Mexico City. And they had goats with them. And they had flour with them. So in central Mexico, the corn, the maize, nixtamal, what we do here, nixtaco, everybody asks, so who's Nick? There's no Nick. <laughs> it's nixtamal tacos. <laughs> That's why it's called nixtaco. It's a portmanteau. I'm not going to lie. I was curious about that myself. <laughs> I know. It <laughs> makes sense. Nixtaco. We cook the corn, we grind it, we make the masa. Yeah. We make the nixtamal, then we make the tortillas, then we make the fucking tacos. Beautiful. I think so. Yeah. I love it. It's hard to explain. <laughs> Even though it's not really, but people don't get it. Is that the end of your origin story as far as the food? No, no, no. no. So the, uh, that's a very, like, there's no origin to nixtamalization. Uh, anthropologic speculators say or speculate that uh, because it's not documented it's documented once it once happened but it it never was documented as an origin issue and the speculation goes like this some Inca guy was cooking the corn for the next day and he tripped over the ashes and the ashes fell in the water (laughs) Uh, and they didn't have any more water so they cooked it anyways and it came out different when they ground it it wasn't grits it was masa so you couldn't cook them as grits. They cooked them as patties. And damn, this is good. <laughs> the tortilla was fucking boring. <laughs> yeah. And then hundreds of years later, they realized that people were healthier. They weren't shooting corn kernels. Yeah. I mean, because corn is hard to digest. It's very hard, yeah. yes. Uh, so the basic... Uh, uh, the alkalinity of the broth that it's cooked in actually helps uh, break down the pericarp and transform the starches into more digestible. Yeah. You can see that scientific uh, desire, that I'm scientific sorry. method. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I love it. I love it. It's good. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't expecting to get a gastro uh, uh, lesson today, so that's also really cool too. Um, what I'm really interested in about is that the fact that you didn't, Dive straight into opening a restaurant. You scaled into it. So, I couldn't. I mean, and I think what, what we were we were basically uh, coming to a head in the conversation where it sounds like you were unfulfilled with your work. You were getting there at three o'clock in the morning. You were done by noon, and there was something you needed out. You, and you, you, there was a void in your life. You missed these 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 weekly dinner missing people. Yes, exactly. So you wanted to bring that back into your life. So what was your approach? to injecting this hospitality, this warmth of pleasing people, of, of feeding people. What was your plan to, to get back into it? Well, like I said, just start cooking and start feeding people. And if you have to make a dinner party at your house, do it. Yeah. Uh, so when did this idea to start doing tacos start? So we... Uh, it, it was probably... Like there's Mexican cuisine, there's Mexican food around, and and I said this, I love carnitas, but I was tired of them. 
And at some point, me and my wife said, we need some Monterrey tacos. Like, like tacos that like they would be in Monterrey right yeah, now. Yeah. And uh, and I started getting, I started looking at the whole concept and said, okay, how do you make a good taco? Like, how do you, like, scientifically, how do you approach the manufacture of a properly good taco? Scientific approach. I love it. <laughs> you start from the bottom. Yeah. And what's at the bottom? The tortilla. <laughs> yeah. How do you make a good tortilla? You cook your own corn. Yeah. And you fucking grind it. Yeah. And, well, that's expensive. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it has to be done that yeah, way. That's, that's the way. <laughs> because it's, that's it's from the bottom up. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've had tacos at street carts or food trucks and whatnot, and and you you probably got two very thin tortillas. The one on top is broken completely, yeah. and the one on the bottom is barely holding it. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I fucking hate that. Right. So we give you one tortilla, thick tortilla. It's thick enough to yeah. hold the heft of the taco. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's how you do it. I mean. It's so when you were starting, um, so basically, like you, you knew that you wanted to open a restaurant. Um, yeah, we've always and I you mean, both Cynthia and myself, we've we've always been. But you started small. I'm, I'm sure your first your first your first tortilla wasn't what it is today. Did you did you knock it out of the park <laughs> on the first day? I mean, no. you probably had to evolve. We did, over we did have a guest that said that she was never coming back because the tortillas were too corny. Then. She doesn't I, appreciate it. <laughs> your face. That's this video here. Yeah. I was like <laughs> short circuiting in my fucking brain. I'm like uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but not really. <laughs> so I guess what I want to dissect is your approach to starting small and scaling into it. You have to start small. Yeah. You have to start um, small. I'm I'm guessing you were I mean, I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm assuming you're making decent money at this time. I had a decent job. I don't make any money. But Personally, when, when if you, you were ask doing the IRS, fin- I don't make any money. Finance before when you were in the finance role, like I used to make more, so much more. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, I'm assuming you're putting some of it away, right? The, com- the, the company is successful. Uh, we're opening a distillery. At, I don't know if you knew. I think I heard uh, yeah. our boy Jared mentioned that. Jared yeah. and Ashley mentioned he, that. Yeah, they're, they're very excited about it. Yeah. And so am I. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, we are right now. I mean, the plants are like at the city right now, being like right the second somebody's looking at them. Yeah, but uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. short. Well, what I want to get at really for somebody who's listening to this, right, who wants to open a restaurant, but they don't have the money behind them. They don't have stacks of cash behind them to self-invest. They don't have uh, the experience behind them. Like, you didn't really have the experience yeah. behind you to get investors. Your approach was start where I can. Yeah. Where you could was learning how to build a badass tortilla. That's where you started, right? Well, that was the concept for the taqueria. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when you when you make a, 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 my approach was if you want to make an amazing taco, you have to start with amazing ingredients. Yeah. And every part of it has to be amazing. Mm. But it it applies to to like anything. I mean, if you want to do an Italian restaurant, the pasta has to be fucking good. Yeah, but you were I guess more I'm curious is how you chose your your plan, your strategy, your scientific Did you have a scientific method to Amano. scale into <laughs> a brick and mortar? You know what I'm saying? No, you just cook really good stuff. Don't have have high standards. Do it do it the best you possibly can do it. Is that was was that your plan? When we opened in June uh, 2015. Yeah, 2015. Uh I was still working at that other job. 
I was uh, I was still managing their portfolios, and uh, and the CEO pulled me in and said, uh, "So what's going on? Are you leaving?" I'm like, "Yeah, uh, I am leaving next month." Like, well, yeah, you should probably start working into this, uh, handing them over. Yeah, <laughs> like we're all cash. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like literally, don't worry about it. <laughs> but the don't be afraid to grab that mic and put it right up. To you. I know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're doing great. I'm sorry. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. You fucking distracted me. With no, <laughs> so you were transitioning out of the restaurant. Um, they of said the company. Of the company into, to open your restaurant. Into restaurant. Yeah. Um, and they you, they said you should start transitioning or passing over. You yeah. know, the, the work I, you're doing. And I did that. And uh, but it's, but still, I, I don't know where I was going. Um, the, the original question was, oh, how did you start transitioning? It, it was so hard. Like that two months, it, it, it was so difficult in the sense of um, livelihood. I mean, it, it's fearful. Yeah. It, it, okay, I was making good money there. Yeah. I was making a salary plus commissions and plus bonuses and this and that. And now I am not. Yeah. So, did you need to get investors? Did you have people behind you? To, we to did it all in house. It was all my wife and myself. Um, what did you need to get started? Like, how, what, what did you need? A lot of assets to get started. If you were just doing uh, pop ups do. at breweries, no, pop ups are doable. Pop ups yeah. are easy. You need, you need twenty sixty thousand bucks to do a pop up. Yeah, or, or, or to start a pop up operation. I mean, um, depends on how how hefty you want to do it uh, brick and mortar whole different story it's you were doing it for over a year at pop-ups and breweries before you had the brick uh, and mortar yeah but that was the um, I mean, that was the plan that was the the idea was to actually do uh, kind of like a test market proof of concept proof of concept yes mm. That's how investors call it. Yep, proof there of concept. And I think the other I, thing... I didn't want to say those words. <laughs> <laughs> proof of concept. So you found that... Like, how long did it take you to realize you had proof of concept? Uh, five months. Mm. Five, six months. Mm-hmm. And we started getting... How'd uh, you know? We started getting requests and in, uh, for investments. Okay. Hey, are you opening a brick and mortar? I have a property here. I have a property there. I'm like, yeah. Uh, mm. yeah. And um, we still do. Uh, Why are you shaking your head to these people? I mean, I think most people, when they if they have this dream, this passion of opening a restaurant, I think what gets them in trouble is they they do take the first offer. They get, oh my god, this isn't going to happen again. That's why I'm shaking my head. Why? How did you know it was not going to be your first offer? I'm a finance guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you, what were you waiting for? The right offer. How did you know it would be right? It wasn't right. So we didn't take it. Okay. Well, did you did you have an image of what the right, right uh, of what the right offer looked like at this time? I had an image. Yeah. What did uh, that look like? It didn't look like uh, controlling. It didn't look uh, like um, that's 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 that's. I mean, that's pretty much where it comes down to. It didn't look to. controlling. So you wanted freedom. Yeah. When you get an investor and they ask for fifty one percent, they're they're not looking out for you. They're they know what they're doing, <laughs> yeah. and it's an asset for them, and yeah. that's okay. I, I mean, mean yeah, I mean, but but I, I mean, if you wait a little longer, you might be able to have a little more leverage in that negotiation, right? Because you yeah. have more reputation. Yeah, you I mean, you want our name, sure, but uh, you're not controlling it though. Yeah. So when did you know you had the right offer? Did somebody come? Did nobody came? No, nobody came? I mean, 
I, I, I mean, they still come. I, I still get offers every once in a while, uh, but we didn't uh, take any money from anybody. Why not? We didn't need to. I mean, yeah. this was an existing restaurant. This is a second generation. Uh, remodel was. So this location we're talking about right now was a yeah. second generation restaurant. Yeah, it was a Thai restaurant before. Thai restaurant. So how did you even find this location? How did you know, did it they was on reach Craigslist. out Craigslist on Craigslist? So you you didn't nobody reached out to you. You were looking. You were actively searching. How did you yeah. know this was a good deal? I didn't know it was a good deal. I took a gamble. Yeah. And my idea was, it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's either going to be a destination or it's not going to be a destination, and we'll die, and that's okay. Then. How do you have that mentality? How, how do you build this level of confidence in yourself to, to be okay with failure? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. It's, uh, that's a good question. And it's, I mean, humbling. But it's, uh, you have to be okay with failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a project. Either it works or it doesn't. Yeah. And I won't lie to you. One week in, like one week. Seven days in. We opened on a Wednesday and the Tuesday. One year after starting the pop ups in the. No, no, this, this location, this yeah. location, one week open. I had so many dissatisfied customers, guests, that I was like dismal. I was really like sad. Wait, let's 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 work into that because I, I, I'm curious and I want to know a little more about pop ups. I want a little like if you have any advice for anybody out there who's looking to get into pop ups. If you want to, if you want to go cook, cook. That's all yeah. that I mean. It's always doable. But what the health department will take a plan on a fucking napkin? <laughs> like they'll take it. They'll yeah. say, okay, so what do you want to do? I want to do this and this and this and that. Okay. You need to pay me a thousand bucks, but but you can do it. <laughs> yeah, for a pop up, the, the bar is a lot lower to get started. In yeah, a pop-up. yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's. But what do what do most do people it. not consider with a pop up or traveling on site to farmers markets or breweries? What what advice do you give us for that person who's looking to make that that start today? Be what ready. Do you not consider. Be ready to put in the hours. Mm. It's hard work. Yeah, it's two hours of setup and one hour of breakdown. And uh, and everything has to be prepped before. Mm. So I mean, be ready for the fucking hours. Yeah. Are, were you milling the, your own flour or your own corn? Yeah. Where did you mill it? Oh no! When I was in the uh, the pop ups, I had a. Uh, I actually was buying the, the tortillas from a miller that was doing them just for me. Okay, so you were supplying the corn, and then they were milling the corn. I wasn't even supplying the corn. Okay, they sourced it. They sourced it. When we open, we had that purchasing power now, and okay. and and we do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, you you find this location. Uh, what was it about this location? And you were taking a risk, but I mean, huge risk. But there was something that was speaking to you about this location. What was it about specifically about this location that spoke to you? Do you ever see Cheers? That show? Yes. I did a reference to it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That's it had, what it, it had, did. Give you that vibe. It's a. Uh, I I thought that we could replicate that mm. and make it a service to neighbors, mm. and we have, mm. and I'm so proud of it. So you opened and you were scared shit. Uh, oh, things you. weren't going well. What what was going on? So this was <laughs> this was four years ago, right? Yeah, and the uh, Mexican scene now. I mean, 
I'm, I mean, you, you dine around. Uh, there's been a couple of restaurants, not to say a bunch of them, but more than one that have opened and closed after we opened that were essentially a copy of us. Mm. Meaning just focus, high focus on tacos with quality ingredients, quality tortillas? <laughs> Concept. Concept. Not necessarily high quality ingredients. I mean, they closed. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Keep going. <laughs> uh, Cynthia, my wife, as, a, as, as our marketing director, uh, she gets extremely pissed when somebody steals or copies. It's the greatest compliment. That's what I tell her. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't worry about it. Yeah. You really should not. The more Mexican there is, the better. Mm. It helps us. Yeah. Why? How does it help you? Well, you know, when, when more restaurants are doing the same thing, they, uh, they uh, train the market, so to speak. So if I'm selling a $6 taco, people are, I mean, they don't mind paying a $6 nigiri. Yeah. Because there's raw fish in it. I mean, typically a taco, and I, I spent some time in uh, Austin, Texas, and San, San Antonio. Austin's a different market. Big, big taco, big taco market out there, and you're looking to spend at least right around 3 to $4 in that range for a taco. But you're charging $6 a taco. Well, it depends which taco. I mean, you want an octopus taco? You, I mean, it's, yeah. It's Spanish octopus. So basically what you're saying it's is... It's 19 bucks a pound. The, <laughs> having all these high-scale uh, high Mexican cuisine restaurants opening around you is good because it's training the market. It and they does. even realize that, taco, that, that Mexican hate, food doesn't have to be cheap. I hate saying that. and uh, But the, the fact of the matter is... We're used to Taco Bell. You know, like I know that's and you're, we need to get away from that. We still get calls from. Hey, do you have a uh, Taco Tuesday special? Well, it's Tuesday and we have tacos. Call it a special. <laughs> no, we don't. We have never abided by yeah. the Taco Tuesday monetary discount. Yeah, we have. What we did when we first opened, we only had six tacos and a couple of appetizers. Yeah, and uh, and on Tuesdays. That's where I would play with specials, like menu specials. They're in the menu now, and uh, and it's worked so far. But I literally got a, 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 an email yesterday about, do you have any Taco Tuesday specials tomorrow? No. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start. To, we have. Uh, I can't believe time's going by really fast. I'm loving this conversation. Uh, let's try to dissect what it is that you think. It is that you're doing well that has set you up for success. I think we've already identified just high quality, no stand, like you know, putting no water, shortcuts, no shortcuts, no shortcuts. Top, top quality. I think it's also safe to say we have identified that what drives you isn't necessarily the food. You love food; it's a passion. You have high standards. You love the the, the scientific method of doing things right, right, yeah. and having that process. But you also love people. You also love yeah. service. I love um, working with people. Yeah. yeah. And what else? What else are you doing right? Really d- dissect if you can. Give the if you could go back in time, give the past version of yourself advice. Uh, what advice would you give that person based off of what you know to be true about your success? Listen to your guests. I mean, really listen to them. If they want this, and you can do it, of course do it. Mm. If they want that, and you can't do it, be cautious and saying. So are you talk, talking like types of tacos? I'm talking about menu items or. Yeah. Uh, Chip and salsa bar, which mm. we didn't have when we first opened, um, which is, I mean, people really yeah. like it, but it's it's a huge cost for the restaurant. I mean, it's like that's a big cost right there. 
But we have it. Mm. And we'll keep it because people, people are happy. It. Yeah. Because people, and it really doesn't... I mean, it's doable. The, the, the bottom line is, listen to your people, to your guests, what they want. And I think not be evolved or, or like overindulged in, in the whole ego mentality of I want to be an amazing chef an amazing chef is somebody who pleases people yeah that's all and that's the bottom line of it and that's the mission of this podcast really is to, to not necessarily share knowledge I mean that's a big part of it but it's also to share values it's also to yeah. share what it takes the, what what the the mindset you need to be successful? What you should what you should desire? I mean, the only other thing I want to get, and I, I realize we're, we're we're approaching the end of our time, but the one thing that I, I noticed that I think you do really well um, is again bring it back to the scientific that's the scientific method. When you built this restaurant, you built it with the intention of it being something that could be replicated. Yes. So there, yeah? just just touch on that real quick. The things that we need to consider when, when building systems. What are the biggest systems Protocols. we need to have? Uh, everything. This is for everything. everything. So, what's yeah. a protocol? Get a good POS and uh, parameterize it properly from the get go. So what, what from the get go? A POS, a, a good POS. Prioritize it from the get go. And parameterize it from oh. the get go. Like, okay. get it set. Got get you. your menu there. Yeah. That also will do your timesheets. And then get a good CPA yeah, or an EA. Did you put a lot of research into a POS before you opened? I did not. You and did that not. was my mistake. You did not. What did you go with the first time? I went with breadcrumb and then they went under and then I got toast. Okay. So what was it about toast the second time around when you're doing your research? What was it about toast that made you go with that platform? Why was it the right platform? It was the, the best at the time that was doing the best sales pitch. That wasn't legacy, mm. you know. Why what not I legacy? mean by legacy, like, a, micros, like Aloha or yeah. micros, yeah. yeah. Because I mean, when I was 15 years old, I worked at a restaurant and I I used Squirrel, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have anything against Squirrel. They're a very robust system, but, but they're not a legacy, though. Were they? Maybe well, they were. I when I say legacy, I mean like the been around. old school. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Been around for 20 years. Gotcha. And has not changed. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted a tablet-based, cloud-based POS. I wanted something cloud-based that I didn't have to have a server in-house um, that would allow me to do whatever I need from my yeah. cell phone. And I do. I mean... Do you need some food? I can. I no, can no, you didn't see. I just wanted to see, like, what, what the, I can order from my, here. My, my back's been turned to all that action. I was just curious to see what was going on. Yeah. So, uh, breadcrumb was the yeah. thing, uh, and then they, they didn't go under. They they got bought. Yeah. And then toast came about, and we're very happy with toast. I have a lot of restaurant friends that use toast that I referred. Got some money for that. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, I didn't. I actually <laughs> haven't got paid. But anyways, so uh, it's sorry. an all-inclusive. Yeah, it it it's a. Um, so when you're opening a restaurant, uh, systems. Yeah, systems matter. Uh, go in your kitchen. Make sure the food cost is in line. First thing. Mm-hmm. Then make sure the labor cost is in line. Then make sure. Sh- and before you do all that, make sure you have the systems and protocols in place. 
to actually make everything work. When did you? How did you learn what InLine looks like? Where did you go to get that picture of what InLine looks like? Was that your finance background? Yeah, I mean, no, there's, I mean, yeah, but, but there's, uh, I mean, talk to people. I mean, yeah, other restaurant owners. Everybody knows the, the thirty, 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 ten. Uh, What's the thirty, 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 ten? For I'm those who else don't know, thirty food cost. I mean, thirty percent food cost, thirty percent labor cost, Your prime costs. Yeah, but but those are and then ten uh, profit. But that's wrong. That's so wrong. Why is it wrong? Because if you're running a thirty percent labor cost, you're you're going down. <laughs> what what percentage do you shoot for? Twenty four. Okay. Including salaries and yeah. everything. I think that thirty thirty ten might have might have been something that it would have back in like twenty like years ago. Like in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, but the, the markets margins are shrunk. You need to you need to make it up someplace else. And the thing with restaurants is, I mean, you you want to keep your your good stuff, yeah. and it's unfortunate that there's so much overhead. I mean, like insurance and legalities and whatnot. That really, I mean. I I wasn't lying when I'm saying I'm, I'm I'm not making any money. I mean, I really I'm living. Yeah, I'm happy about it. But you know, I think that's a big. You know, it's one of the things I, uh, a challenge I had to deal with when I first started this podcast because the the mission of this podcast is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I'm making an example of those who are crushing it in the market. But sometimes, even when you're doing really well from the outside looking in you're not yeah you know you're busy there's lines out the doors you still don't have those markets but if you get into this industry for the right reasons and you're in your scratch and, you, oh, and you're and you're uh, paying the bills yeah you'll be good for life yeah I mean, like you, you have a great relationship people. with yeah, people like you're yeah. all the reasons why you want to get into this re- this industry for the is to have the intimacy with your guests to stand behind the bar and to yeah. have this not you got that i fucking love that i mean and that's i think it's it's important to talk about this like you're not going to get rich i mean you could do really well yeah. If if you do if, you're Mayer. if those systems that you've created, you know, <laughs> pay off and that you can open the second and third and fourth location, that's probably when you'll be able to really, you know, replace yourself, you know? When the first location pays for you and you open the second, third, and fourth, that's exactly. when you make money. But yeah. Maybe I mean, I'll come back in five years when you're at your sixth location. We can talk about how you scaled it. Five years? We should be at uh, like our 20th location. 20? Ah. Really? Oh. No, that's, no, 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 I'm no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so one question I want to start asking all my guests before we uh, move to the speed round is uh, how have you transformed? The mission statement of this podcast is to inspire and empower and transform yes. the industry. So who are you today versus the man you were getting into this industry four, th- four years ago? I am more humble. You what is, be, you what do you mean by humble? humble? Describe, what, is hum- what is humility to you? Well, like, like I was saying, when we first opened, uh, we oh, we had this concept of uh, th- that we have now. We stuck to our guns, but before that, uh, one weekend, we honestly thought about shutting it down because feedback was 50-50. Like, it's amazing or it fucking sucks. How did like you turn it, it around? We stuck to it. Yeah. And then we lost those guests. Well, that's the other thing, too. Not every guest is going to be your guest. You know? Not everybody's going to love what you do. But those who do love what you do... I'm just going to say it again. We cannot please them all, but we're going to fucking try. Yeah. That's it. I mean... I loved this conversation. And we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. 
It's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention, you've got to compete with the big guys. But how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto. That's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. All right, we're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success, your strength? I like people. You like people. What's your biggest weakness? I like people. <laughs> what is one th- thing you look for, a question you ask during the interview process? When you're growing your team, what are you looking for? Do you like people? Do you like people? Uh, what is one of your I, biggest... I actually do ask that. Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah? Has anybody ever said no? No. But, <laughs> but you, you can said. tell immediately. Yeah. What, I mean, you, you, yeah, you, you know. can tell. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, what is one of your biggest challenges today? Growth. Yeah. And specifically, what part of growth is challenging you? That's not a one-word response. <laughs> we get busy, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm stressed because of the guest experience, how it suffers. Yeah. Uh, because we are not a big restaurant. You, you see, you get PC? Busy. Oh, busy, busy. Yeah. Sorry. Like uh, when I'm taking up three of your tables? <laughs> yeah, but right now it's okay. Yeah, we'll wrap up soon. We'll be making Like on a Friday here. night, that's a uh, yeah. Friday night would be like... No. It's a good problem to have, not having enough space. It, but you said it. Yeah. Problem. It's yeah, a problem. It is. It is a problem. Yep. And I fucking hate it. Mm. And I, uh, that's, that's my challenge right yeah. there, to solve that problem. Share one code of conduct or, cha- or behavior. Sorry. One code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a core value, a way to be, a way to act. We can't please them all, but we'll try. Mm, yes. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? This is a way to go above and beyond what's expected from you. Something that's common within your four walls, but not common within the industry. Mm, you should have told me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought about it. I think it was in the email. <laughs> if there, well, there was no email. We texted. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, cut of conduct. Uh, please them all. Please them all. Try and please them all. Yeah, I love it. Uh, what is one book that's a must-read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Unfuck your life. Unfuck your life. Biggest or lesson. Or something. Unfuck, yeah, unfuck something. <laughs> what is the biggest lesson you learned from that book? I don't give any fucks. Yeah, it's kind of like that book, that uh, the, un- the the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is that the book? You read no, a different book? Similar? It's, it's, that's a quote. I think it's the same book. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Accounting. Accounting. What is one piece of technology you've adopted within the four walls of your business that's had a huge impact on operations that you can share with us? Inventory systems. What's that? Inventory systems? Inventory what are you systems. Using? Uh, toast? What no. is it? Extra chef. Extra chef? There's no A, so it's X. Like the, the letter X. X. 
Extra chef. Extra yeah. chef. Got it. And this is the last question. It's a doozy. This is one you would have definitely wanted to get. Damn you, man. man. <laughs> but you're going to handle it. I know you are. I'll read it slowly so you can process as it's, I ask the question. It's that long? Yeah. <laughs> if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three things you could leave behind. For the, the restaurant's gone? The restaurant's gone. You're gone. You can leave three things behind, th- pieces of wisdom behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three things be? Be nice to people. One. Be nice to people. Two. <laughs> Treat them all the same. Treat them all the same. I love this conversation, man. This has been a great chat. I'm, I'm sorry I, had, I hadn't anything else, but that's really Dude, this, how this I This was feel. great, man. This has been, there's no need to, to apologize. This has been a great conversation. I've loved every second of it. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. That's how I found you. Oliver Ridgeway called you out as well as... I know he did. He <laughs> talked to me yesterday. <laughs> yeah. no, uh, did he give you a warning? <laughs> well, he asked me if he called me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. Uh, who do you respect and admire? Who do you think is doing it right? Uh, it needs to be made an example of. So this is where Oliver called me out? Yeah. Oh, I like him more now. <laughs> right. uh, Mike Fagnoni. Mike? Who was his last name? Fagnoni. Mike Fagnoni. Look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. He's uh, the, the chef owner at Hawks. Hawks. All right. Beautiful. I'd love to get you on the show and let the folks know how can we connect with you. If we've uh, enjoyed today's conversation, we're in the Sacramento area, or maybe we're willing to relocate to come join your team. And you're at one location right now. Do you have aspirations to scale? Yeah. Um, this is a good team to be on. This is one you want to get involved with, a good, with an organization. What's the best way to connect? Uh, Patricio at Nixta.co. It's a play on words. <laughs> it has got me so much trouble. <laughs> People ask, are you sure it's not .com? I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm sure. <laughs> I bought the domain. It's I'll, .co. I'll have, the link. I'll have the link in the show notes. This is episode 664. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com. Right, slash 664. <laughs> I'll have a link in the show notes as, as well. As Thank a, you for being here. Oh, I'm, man, it was, it was an I'm, honor. I'm, it was my I'm, pleasure. No, it's, it's my pleasure. <laughs> trust me. You were great. Uh, a summary of today's discussion will be over there in the show notes as well as a link to any tool or service or books recommending how to connect with Patricio. Uh, and just again, thank you so much. I would not be able to do what I do without people like you taking the time to share their knowledge and their mentorship. Yeah. And there is no It's amazing that you're doing this. <laughs> thank you. There is no mentioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Cheers. Thank you, Sacramento and San Francisco. Great interviews. Uh, thank you for everybody who took the time to come on the show. Thank you for everybody who took the time to support the show. Uh, people, my listeners, people who are hosting me, people who are connecting me with their network. Man, uh, the support is just overwhelming and so uh, appreciated. And I am now in San Diego. So if you can think of anybody you respect and admire, somebody I need to make an example of on the show, please put them on my radar. And I want to connect with you. Uh, let's grab a beer. Let's grab some coffee. Let's let's. let's Let's talk about how I can make this show better. Let's talk about what you like about the show. Or if you're not in San Diego, but you want to join the community, head over to Facebook and search Unstoppable Restaurant Owners and Operators, and you'll find the private Restaurant Unstoppable group. Join the group. Join the conversation. Let's grow this community. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.